0: This is the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield.
1: Hello and welcome to your latest edition of the Blood Red Podcast. I am your host, Sam Carroll, and today we've got a pretty full squad of people sitting to my left. It's Kiefer O'Neill. We're also joined by Sean Bradbury and Theo Squires. Guys, how are we?
0: Very well. Very well. It's nice to not be in the hosting seat today. Looking forward to a Sam Carroll roller coaster. Well,
1: there was like a kind of jibe put on my name there, wasn't there? When someone kind of was like incredulous that I should <laughs> host with you in the room. So maybe uh, people can send their thoughts on Twitter to who they would prefer. On, Me or,
2: or, or S. Brad. Hey, I think <laughs> you've got enough going in your mentions at the moment. You might want to stay clear. We'll, 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 less of that. Less, <laughs> less of that. Uh, Sam's
3: next follower is his 5,000. Yeah.
1: Um, Hopefully I'll gain my like 5,000 yeah. follower while we're in here. Big. Theo, have you been staying up to watch Liverpool on tour or was you firmly in bed for the 2-2 against Sporting Lisbon?
2: Been of both. Stayed up for the first one, though um would have been a bit of trouble if I wasn't, so I was in here for it. <laughs> uh, second one, I fell asleep at half-time. Had to show my support for Andy Lonergan, former Bolton hero. Yeah. Um, he sacked off the third one. Sacked
0: off. Sean? Similar, actually. I was in for the second one. I've seen a fair bit of the first one back and I haven't seen much of the third one, uh, apart from the goals. So, yeah. Second one I was
1: in here for, though.
3: I was El Kippo for all of them El <laughs> Kippo I know well I'm in at seven so I was just like no definitely yeah. professional yeah
1: I kind of found when I was in here like when there was lulls in the game you'd kind of like close your eyes and like you know where you were kind of like drifting off a little bit and then like Joe would go to me like have you done this and you'd be like oh yeah 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 yeah." yeah. <laughs> I'm on it
2: I just had a massive bottle of had to keep me through
1: yeah, well, I have just found a can of coke that so I put in the fridge on Wednesday. So if anyone hears a, a cracking sound <laughs> midway through that podcast, it's, it's me it. pulling the trigger <laughs> on a nice cold can of coke. We'll uh, we'll get started anyway. Uh, otherwise, we'll be sitting here nattering away about late night echo shifts <laughs> for the for the rest of the podcast. Uh, Sean. There's, what two weeks until the start of the Premier League season yeah pretty much Liverpool state of play in the transfer window where do we are what would you like to see how do you think it's going is it more about offloadings than incomings and do you think we'll see someone doing the Melwood lean
0: <laughs> I, I think it's possible but I'm certainly not unduly concerned if they, if they didn't bring anyone else in from this position now I, th- I still think Liverpool are in a big position of strength yeah. I think there's, there's, a, there's a unique factor for me based on last season and I know, like we've talked on a lot of pods about whether truly you know this rivalry with Man City, whether it's one-sided, how intense it is. But I, I just don't think it's something you can ignore, and I think it's Klopp's message to these to these players is is quite key. Like I think there's a, psycholo- a psychological aspect essentially to this to this transfer window, and I think he's he's kind of got to ask these players to go again. So normally you might think, well you need a couple of new faces to come through and freshen up a dressing room, especially after, you know, the heartbreak of just missing out on the league. But then I think instantly the players had an opportunity to bounce back in that Champions League final. They did so. And I think he's just saying to them, your your, your next challenge is to try and dethrone City, kind of overhaul them in the league. And that's why I think having... Having this, a settled squad, which it is as well. That, that's that's the thing. I think we'd only really be making arguments about cover, and if a few players could come in, you know, the positions are obvious. We've talked about them before. You look, you'd be looking at left back, a versatile forward. I've also made an argument for maybe a number ten, so you could change it around in midfield a little bit. But I think as long as Liverpool are, if they're fairly lucky with injuries and you know all, all plans go go as, you, as you'd hope then this squad this squad's ready to challenge again um, and you know you look at the rivals I don't think anyone's made a massive move yet you know City especially okay they've signed um, uh, Rodri in central midfield and that's a kind of a, a replacement in a way that they needed long term if you're thinking of replacing Fernandinho but it's it's kind of like for like, it's it's someone who's got to get used to the pace of the league and isn't guaranteed to to hit the ground running. Um so I, I think we kind of if it's if it's left as it is now, I don't think Liverpool are necessarily at a disadvantage going into the new season.
1: Is is Klopp in, in one of the the hardest positions in football, Theo, in that you know, I was comparing it the other day to the season when uh, Chelsea won the league and Mourinho's second season back and they kind of looked brilliant and and then you remember, he kind of he just signed Begovic and Falcao on loan because it kind of felt like there was no gaps in in, in that starting lineup, and, and, and Mourinho kind of went down that route and, and just signed cover. Do you think? In, in modern football, you always need to sign one or two players each summer who can come in and can grab a spot, can, can grab a shirt in the start lineup. Or do you agree with Sean if, if the transfer window slams shut and it's the exact same squad, you know, obviously with the additions of, of your Brewsters and your, your Oxley Chamberlain, who, who didn't feature last season because of
2: injury, you'd be happy with that? Um, I'd be content with the squad the way it is. Um, you look at the the mentality they've got there. Obviously, last year when they lost in the Champions League final, it was right we go again. um Manchester that they went one further. You look at football that happens quite a lot. Like Aston Villa did it in the playoffs, lost the playoff final, then went and win it. And there's so much talent in that Liverpool squad. They're all at that age where they're peaking together. That it is right for Klopp to show his faith in them to let them go out and have another go at it. um We did a piece earlier this week looking at the age of some of the players in the squad, and it's only really larder and Milner that you say are past their best. Um, then you've got a few others like Henderson, Vinaldo that are nearing 30. And you think, well, you've got that spine there that reaching the peak of their powers at the same time. You can get another year, two years out of this squad. And that's when you may be thinking players, places in the team are coming under the threat. Like the front three, the best in Europe, best on the planet, arguably. And they're going to keep delivering it time and time again. They probably could do with a bit of support, but they're not at that time now where... The tiredness is too much for them. They just need something that can come in and it's all a gradual process for bringing players in. That's why we're looking at Brewster now. He's what, the third choice striker, 19 years old. He's obviously got a bit of talent. He needs to get settled into the team but in three, four years' time, he'll be ready to step up into the mantle. It's the uh, same with what City have been doing. When you look at uh, Gabriel Jesus, he's been there for, what, three years now, two years now, whatever it is, as that understudy to Aguero. And it's all with that long-term aim to replace the players as they go forward. Uh, Liverpool only missed out on the title by a point, so this squad was obviously good enough to do that. Maybe this year they can get that one point back. Heart of hearts, thank you, Eva.
1: Do you think we'll see a, a big name through the doors this summer, or do you think... It will be a, a quiet with maybe no one, or maybe one or two kind of backups.
3: I think Klopp hinted; didn't he, at one player? So I think someone will come in. Then obviously Harvey Elliott, the young lad. I hope it's not him, and there's someone else sort of to come because you know you do need. I think sand want, want a haircut,
1: though! That yeah. haircut could make up for several big hands. It could. you've you got to
0: be you'd good. Be with grabbing that, all yeah. the yeah, shirt yeah, numbers
3: yeah, with that haircut. <laughs> I <mean>. it's, like, <laughs> it's like wearing
0: white boots, that Rolling. isn't it? It's a, it's a sign that you're backing yourself.
3: White tape.
1: The other day yeah. I was uh, going from town to my mum and dad's for footy and I forgot my footy socks, and for some reason in my draw, I only had a pair of luminous pink socks. But when I got to footy, I was kind of like, only good players can wear luminous pink socks. Did you back it up? Always, always back it up. I always back it up. Sorry, Keefe, we've just... So you got (laughs) (laughs)
3: peace. Yeah, but... I think I'm a little bit worried because pre-season has shown us a glimpse of injury crises can just hit. I don't know where mm. can't they? Obviously Kleins injured before that. I know the youngsters like Jaros the goalkeeper is a, he was a, got a an injury. Um Duncan I think had a minor something, didn't he? Um and obviously LaRucci and there's another someone, Glatzel. Glatzel as well. You know, I know these the younger players' climb would have been back up, I think, going forward, because you just didn't know, you you felt like Klopp was maybe leaning on him to sort of just be in the squad, because, you know, he's still got a contract at Liverpool, and, you know, he's an England international, and got good experience, but now he's sort of ruled out for the next six months. It does make you think, oh, like, injuries can just be like a domino effect, and, you know, I know it's only pre-season, and most of them people have listed the young players who probably wouldn't have featured for Liverpool's first team a lot. But it is it is it is that kind of, it just leaves that little seed of doubt in the back of your mind going, mm, should we maybe gone a bit harder? But obviously, as Theo and Sean have said, we are as well content with a Champions League winning squad who are all hitting the peak at the right time. So it's just like that balance, isn't it? But obviously, I'd like to see a senior player coming in, whether it be a goalkeeper or a left back you know just someone that can come in and just gives you a little boost as well the fans Mm. you know that's why people are reading our stories when we write about transfers because fans love transfers they love signing new players and you know I think to compete with Man City Liverpool have to maybe just pull one out the bag towards the end of this transfer window I think the
0: key thing for me is if I'm not saying managers are beyond criticism and certainly Jürgen, Jürgen Klopp isn't but if I think if he's there happy, we go. Oh, there it is. There it is.
1: <laughs> it's, the,
2: cracked, the, the it's cracked. The trigger's been pulled.
0: Oh, wow, this will power us through now. Um, but I think yeah, I think I'm not saying fans have to like blindly trust the manager and, and the other key decision makers at Anfield. But I think if Klopp is happy, genuinely happy with this squad, then that that's that's what he's going for because the, the money the money's surely there he's never been in a more powerful position at the club on the back of last season um you know we've we've had lots of pieces recently about f s g Billy hogan sponsorship deals um you know everything's going the right way off the pitch, so commercially they're flying t v money you know they're, they're all the revenue from the champions league i think if he if he wanted if he had a top target and he wanted to go out and buy someone. I'm sure that the club would do everything, everything they can to like support him in that respect. So so yeah, I, I, I don't think that, I think you've just got to kind of put, put your faith in him. And I think every time Klopp has seemingly taken a transfer gamble, um, which there's probably been a few occasions, hasn't there? There was a, a January where Mane was at the Africa Cup of Nations and everyone was thinking, oh, well, Liverpool are going to be short here, should we sign another forward, another winger? And Klopp at the time... If he couldn't get his top targets, which he, which he couldn't, he he didn't compromise. That tight. Yeah, exactly. And I think we've seen it again with like Van Dyke. He waited out for him, Allison. You know, he, he waited to get his number one man. And whilst it took a little bit of time to assemble the squad, yeah. as soon as he got it together, we saw last season how good it was. So yeah, I just think I think it's a case of trusting him once again. Really.
3: Did you say an Mbappe twenty twenty again, Sean? Well, this, yeah, <laughs> this, this is true. And
0: if, if you follow that pattern, he did say what was his quote this earlier this week where he was talking about. He was asked about Coutinho and buying him, and he said. Oh, you know, it would cost big, 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 big money, and it's, you know, it's not something we'd be looking to do this
1: year. So it's not the year for it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Maybe Imagine maybe that if, summer. like,
1: next summer, Liverpool just signed Mbappe and Coutinho. I think our website might break if they signed Mbappe and Cootie. I think i free. In, in a double deal. Who would you get on the back of your shirt, Mbappe or the returning king? Well, I'm an adult, so I don't get names on the back of my shirt. <laughs> I Well, yeah. I, you
3: uh, wear pink socks, so we know what kind I do of. Wear who pink do you got on the back
1: of your shirt? Larucci, <laughs> La uh, Vandenberg seventy two was my choice uh, this season. Obviously, the lads over in America was Rosine Doyle and, and, and Christian Walsh, um, and and they done a lot of they, you know a really good podcast this week reflecting on the US tour and and, and what we've seen of it. You know, it was a really interesting tour, wasn't it? From the from the fiery clash in Sevilla, um to Minulay's howl against the uh, sport in Lisbon, uh, and, and I actually watched the Bruce Dortmund game from a um, what's it called? A, a Buchan Bronco in Benador. Oh wow! And I was just riding it, just watching the <laughs> watching the Ben watching the Did game. Did like on Allison for the 90s? On
3: his horse. Well, I,
1: well yeah. we had like a competition between me and my four mates. Whoever stayed on for the because there was like a timer. Whoever stayed on for the least amount of time had to do a shot of tequila, and tequila is my antichrist, so I <laughs> held on to those horns. I think
3: horns. it might be
1: everyone's. <laughs> I held on to those horns for a, for a solid, and I think people appreciate 72 seconds. Wow. And then one of the boys fell off after 40, so easily, easily like won that. But now now to look ahead, obviously, to Napoli on the weekend at Muddyfield. Anyone ever been to Muddyfield? Theo, you no. look like a management
2: to Moneyfield. I've only been to Scotland like once, nope. never mind
1: Marif- Marif- Marifield.
3: I love Scotland as well, but you no. Know.
1: Edinburgh, Edinburgh's a cracking holiday. I've
3: been to St Andrews and absolutely adored that. Scotland's a great place and where our lovely Andy Robertson hails from, Indeed. of course. be a nice occasion for him, I think, won't it?
1: And who do you think then, Theo, from these games in America, who has gave themselves the best showing in, in, pre- in pre-season? in I know you've kind of wrote that article today about the, the winners and the losers. Who, who's impressed you? Well, you obviously didn't read it because it's not mine. It's not yours. No, is it Tom Caviers? Nope. Who's is it? The one man in
2: the states? Ah, <laughs> Ian Doyle.
1: Well, even better. Who is?
2: Who is your big winner of preseason so far? Yeah, I don't think you can really look far away from what Doyle said. It's. Reed and Brewster isn't it yeah. he's come in he's not played competitive football before and he's got a bag full of goals it's that really excitement about him there um, you'd probably count LaRucci as a winner as well if it hadn't been for the injury I think there's quite a relief there that it was only what he's going to be out for two three weeks so he, he could still be that backup left back loses it's- Again, hard to say. It's probably the players who are injured, like Nathaniel Klein. This was his chance to stake a claim. and Now he's just going to be back up, probably see out his contract, whether he can get a loan move in January, unless they're quite happy for him to just be that option. Um, and then it's your likes of um, Harry Wilson, and Ryan Kent. It's like, have they done enough to earn a future at Liverpool? Still debatable. You can look at the other players, like your Brewsters and LaRucci, who so have shown that a bit more, who are a bit younger, have got time on the side. With Wilson and Kent, this is last chance lean for them and with uh, Salah Mane Firmino they're closer to coming back to this squad now time is running out for them to stake a claim to get into that squad this season and they're going to have to really make a good impression at Murrayfield and against Leon if they're going to have a future at the club
1: what kind of side do you think Klopp will, will put out on the weekend Sean?
0: I think, well, we did our kind of team selectors in midweek, and I think, yeah, he'll just go as strong as he can because it, it really is ticking close to the start of the season now, isn't it? And that curtain razor against um, Man City. So, yeah, as strong as possible. I don't think we're expecting anyone else back fresh for this one, are we? It's still a bit of a wait until, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the guys who were in the summer tournaments come back. But yeah, in terms of like who's impressed, um, I'd echo what Theo said. And I think Origi for me would probably be the one to pick up on because he just, I think it was a very significant pre-season for him because obviously we've, we've spoken about him, statue, Kiva's building is, is well underway. <laughs> it takes I, time I, now, yeah. not you? Well,
3: yeah. I was going to actually put out a little appeal if anyone actually wants to help me because, you know, I've got a, I've got a lot lot Of work on at the a minute, and do
1: you do you literally, <laughs> literally want to build a statue like in your house?
3: Um, I kind of promised on the podcast that I would, so now I've got to like stick to it, otherwise, I'll have some very angry, <laughs> angry people.
1: They're already the queuing
0: in Birkenhead, yeah, no. so you, you better get on with it for the start. It's gonna be a
3: moneymaker, who, So, yeah. in charge, this journalism thing doesn't work out,
0: <laughs> 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 Well, yeah, on, on Divic, I think, um, not to say that I was a doubter, but... it's all called he, the actual Rigi or the statue? Uh, the actual one, the actual, the actual one, one the at, actual at this one. stage. Um, I, I think a lot of what he did last season in his little cameos, it was, there was that little doubt in my mind as to whether that was just a, a sustained purple patch. And yeah. he was kind of riding on a bit of momentum. And there was a couple of times where he actually had a bit of a stinker, but then he popped up and scored the vital goal or you know made a vital contribution, which you can't argue with to an extent, but it did smack a little bit of overperformance. Can he keep that up? But give him his due, he's, he's looked like a senior man in pre-season and he's he's got a couple of goals so i, I think if he can it, it's going to be key as we've said with you know Salah Firmino and, and Mané coming back a bit late um such exertions for the three of them um for for this season and summer tournaments the season before you know it, they're going to be absolutely knackered and, and fair play to them it's key that Origi can step up Brewster will obviously get his chance but i think there's there's a lot on Divock over the next kind of 6 to 8 weeks uh, but yeah all the signs are in pre-season that he's, he's
1: ready to give it a go is is that a concern, Keeva? You know, obviously, as Sean as mentions that, you know, your, your Mane's and, and your Salas and your Firmino's are, have been playing nonstop football now for for, for what seems like forever. And, and, and do you think that kind of points towards a, a bigger role for, for Divock and, and Brewster and, and the likes this season?
3: I think it does worry it a little bit because obviously they're getting back late and, you know, then we'll sort of have to await this sort of for them to come back and... They haven't really stopped, have they? So you think, how do the bodies take that? But these are athletes, you know, they could do this week in, week out anyway. So I think sometimes we can look at it as thinking, you know, I think it's more of probably a mental strain of just playing non-stop football. But, you know, I think Alisson and Firmino would have had, I think, three weeks, Klopp said, didn't he? And obviously Salah crashed out earlier the... African Cup of Nations so he got a bit more time, and then Mane obviously got to the final, so you know they will have had holidays by the looks of allison 's cowboy <laughs> cowboy hat and on 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 a horse looked like you know he 's having fun they will be having a relaxed time, and they 'll probably come back refreshed and ready to go so i 'm not too worried about that. I think the worry with Origi is now he 's sort of penned this deal there 's no release clause it 's like his futures at liverpool he 've made that quite clear, and the fans wanted it you know we got, we got what we wanted in terms of that, but He's got to have an impact now, I think. He can't go missing if he does, you know, say Mane won't probably start the season. It'll be a Rigi against Norwich. And you feel like if he doesn't have a good showing or, you know, an assist or even not an assist or a goal, just to have a good impact, you think... You know, that can roll into the next game. And then if he doesn't do nothing, and you want him to sort of just start as he means to go on. So I'd love not more for him to score, even against like Man City in the Community Shield or in the Super Cup against Chelsea. And then, you know, hopefully he can just build on. I just don't think he's the type of player that can obviously, he has gone before on like, you know, a drought, but I wouldn't like. To see how it would maybe affect him, I feel like he needs to sort of score and it would keep him sort of going. Do you know what I mean?
2: And build his momentum. Yeah. He's had that confidence before, he's had that run in the team before he got the the first injury against uh, Everton where he was getting the team, he was scoring goals every week and that killed his momentum there and I think Jurgen Klopp said that it's only now you realise how much of an impact that injury had on him. It's only when he's got in the team and he's been able to pick up confidence that he's been able to show what he's about again. I think that's why he's now not going to be a winger going into the new season. He's earned that right to be the go-to striker off the bench and the concern for me with the front three is you look at um, last year, Salah had that slowish start didn't he where he didn't quite get the goals um, after the World Cup after the injury in the Champions League final and there was that added pressure on him there uh, Firmino obviously had his spells last year where he wasn't scoring goals and it was up to Mane to really step up so when you got all three of them there that's a lot of pressure on them if they can't do it for Rigi to step up is like you're the go-to man you're going to have to deliver the goals because the only other option we've got at the moment is a 19 year old who's not played football before Is that the
1: beauty of having three world class strikers though in terms of one of them will always be scored and surely, won't he?
2: Yeah, that's what got them through last season. I think whenever one of them had a little bullet, the other two carried them through. I think the only time Liverpool had to do it without them was against Barcelona of four teams. Easy. Well. <laughs> <Yeah>. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, hopefully it can carry on this season. It's just, well, as we keep saying, when you're playing that much football, we said it last season, they played a lot of football here. And now you have the Champions League final again, another year of international tournaments. It's going to be... Take its toll. It's going to be a time where they will need a little bit more of support off the bench to relieve that pressure. And it's just as well that the squad is sort of coming together more when you've got Brewster stepping up and Origi finding his feet a bit more.
3: I think mm. that's actually a really interesting thought. The, the front three, if one, if Mane scores, then Salad and Firmino, it's okay because they're like a together sort of unit. And it's like, well, one of them scored. And that could happen. Like Mane score one week, Salah the next, Firmino the next. And you'd never really, I don't think, criticise them on like a drop because they're. Like these sort of like one little team in in our team, aren't mm. they? Where Origi doesn't feel like he's a part of that or so feel like he has to impress on his own. Whereas I think they can do it and take the pressure off each other because they have been that you know, attacking trio for so long.
2: Mm. and competition as well. Like we saw with Salah and Mane last year when they both wanted the golden boot. They both got the golden boot, but there's always that pressure of, oh, you've scored, I want to score. We saw it with the penalties as well. Salah wants to take the penalties. They all want the goals. They all want to have that... Uh, leading star, uh, star role in this team mm. I think just there just quickly on Brewster as well
0: it'll be interesting to see but there's still a little bit of time in pre-season isn't there? there's a couple couple more games before City like what Kiva was saying there about that little that trio he hasn't had the chance yet to kind of be part of that has he? he hasn't played with any of those three I don't think in, in pre-season has he? Or, or m- maybe even previously so you know, when, if he's in that team, he's already impressed in pre season as, as part of a kind of bit of a makeshift front three. So when he slots inside that, you know, alongside the two of those established stars, we might see even more from him. So that's another reason why I do think, go back to what we were saying earlier, that things are looking a little bit rosier than I think some fans might think.
3: The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'll
1: offer this one out to Youthy Hours. Kiva's shamelessly admitted she was kippo. <laughs> but does watching the kind of pre season games, and I know it's pre season and you know you you can't always fully fully judge, but does it make you appreciate what, you know, n- not to be too harsh on Mignolet, Because as I know, all goalkeepers can make mistakes. <laughs> but does it make you appreciate, you know, the impact Alisson, Mane, Salah, and Firmino have on this Liverpool squad when you see them without them?
2: Yeah, definitely. Like if you go through uh, any team and you took away their four best players, um, they'd struggle the fact that Liverpool is still competing it's not the end of the world when you're without one of them but to have all four and you expect it in pre-season but like we said they spent that much money on Alisson because he's a world class goalkeeper yeah. and we saw the difference he made um, remember doing the podcast all at the start of last season when it's our who's Klopp's best signing it's like well if Liverpool win a trophy this year you're going to say Alisson's up there I think we can all agree now Alisson is one of his greatest and then you take Salah, Femino, and Mike, you almost take them for granted because they've been doing it so consistently for so long now that just how long they can they keep it up? But this is the levels they've reached. And there's a reason why Liverpool's front three is the most feared on the planet. It's because they are that good together. And if you take any a third of any team out, how are they going to replace that? Like You can't all have um, endless talents off the bench like Man City have, the senior players. But then there's not that chemistry there. They don't link up the same way. And Klopp's very good with how he's built his team together to get the best out of those players so they all suit a system together. So it's one where if the front three have to drop out he might have to change the style somewhat to get the best out of his other players. And you think how um, when they lost Coutinho, they had to change the system there to get the best out of the full-backs, to get the best out of the midfield, for it all to fit in together nicely. So obviously it's going to look a bit rough around the edges without players that have made it so so successful. It's weird, isn't it? Sean and Theo kind of touch on
1: it. In. It's almost difficult to remember Liverpool without that front three, isn't it? And I'm I'm, I'm looking back now, and what was the, the front three before... Before them, God, what you're looking back
2: to? Like, have been like Europa League final when it was four two three one. Yeah, Stoddage. yeah, Stoddage and
3: with, tech, eh? <laughs> yeah.
0: Those those type of guys. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it does feel like a whole kind of tactical evolution, really, doesn't it? And and just a different way of approaching things. And I, I think the same same can be said with midfield because I think the the gold standard for me was always that one under Rafa of Alonso. Um, Mascherano and Gerrard where they all kind of had a fairly defined role you had you know your kind of destroyer your creator and, and then you know um, Gerrard as well I had them linking up with Torres but just now you Stevie yeah well yeah <laughs> the basically 17-year-old. yeah in, in a category of his own but, but like <laughs> you know the, the way these guys work and I do think you know like touched upon earlier there's maybe a deficiency if there was a, a create a really creative outlet like a number 10 who could come in and change it up occasionally and you know games where it's really tight but, but it's yeah it's just it's all guile it's all graft and and whilst, you know, often last season there was some criticism of their, the end product and the, the, goal, the goal threat that came from midfield, it was all about the system, wasn't it? And allowing the fullbacks to push on. They were like creators supreme, both of them, and um, geared towards just making the team work better. So, yeah, things have, things have changed vastly over
2: the last few seasons. Excited to see the lads back, Eva?
3: Very much so. Yeah. Looking forward to it. You I missed them in training. The
2: have you missed them in joining? you're part of the team now aren't you yeah
3: yeah well yeah. <laughs> I'm on, I'm on a, an extended break for winning the Cup of America <laughs> <laughs> so
1: but then yeah. we we can move on a little bit more now and see and how there was a, a little bit uh, from you today about the, the FIFA Club World Cup do you want to tell us a little bit more about that and dates being confirmed and what it kind of means for Liverpool this season.
2: Yeah, FIFA have finally confirmed when the tournament's taking place. It's gonna be that week before Christmas that we all expected, so at least one of Liverpool's fixtures will need to be rearranged. As um Liverpool will play two games in this tournament. They'll play the semi final and then they'll either be in a third place playoff or in the final. Uh, The third place playoff and the final both clash with uh, Liverpool's trip to West Ham on the 18th of December. Uh, There's also potentially going to have to be a shift in League Cup fixtures. So if Liverpool reach the quarterfinals of the League Cup, that'll clash with their semi final. And it's been one of those where Liverpool have been waiting so long for the tournament to actually confirm what's going on. Like there's that whole confusion that no one thought the tournament was going ahead because FIFA had just said they're going to revamp it from 2021. Uh, and then when they said, oh, it's going to be in Qatar, Liverpool didn't get the invite until I think this week when they've announced when the games are taking place. Um, I think the <coughs> little sound from Jurgen Klopp is it's almost an inconvenience there they don't want it to impact too much on the Premier League and the Champions League um, we saw when Liverpool last competed in the competition back in 2005 2006 that there was a little bit of a hangover when they came back from Japan uh, so it's going to be a lot more pressure on Liverpool's squad there to how they can deal with it when it's seven competitions and when it's so much more intense now you feel, it feels like they're going to be playing what twice every week for the next 10 months uh, and when you've got players that have been playing for two years solid it's going to be very tiring for them but at the same time, there's that excitement with this competition because you're running out of time to win it. Liverpool have never won the tournament. As we said, it's going to be revamped from 2021. So this is going to be Liverpool's chance to be champions of the world. Sean,
1: do you feel like it's a bit of a hindrance? If, if you could pull out today with, with no repercussions, would you would you do it?
0: Uh, I can see the argument for that, but personally, I'm, I'm of the other, the opposite view because I kind of think... Do you want to win the sextuple? Uh, well, that would be lovely. But I think oh, the dilemma Liverpool and Klopp have got, and we've touched on it already, is a lot of these fringe players around the squads, you know, Wilson, Kent and co. And what, they're all all over the, the side, really, all, all in each position. It's kind of how much game time do you, do you, are you able to afford them at Liverpool? Is sending them out on loan the best thing for their development? Would they not be better kind of in-house and kind of being steeped in everything that's happening at Melwood? And whilst game, t- game time has always been the thing, you know, you're not going to be able to give them that opportunity. I think this season, you know, surely... It's not going to be the case like last season where Liverpool went out at the first hurdle in both domestic cups. You know, with two tough draws which which um obviously, you know, kind of uh, put, put a put a, a quash on how much game time like the fringe players could get. But now you've got hopefully a bit more progress in them. And I think this I think this is an opportunity. I think Klopp's just gotta say, especially as they was saying with the schedule being so so tough at an already difficult time over Christmas um and winter, just send send the not quite the reserves, but you know uh, everyone who's still got something to prove go and send them to this they'll have a couple of games and uh, you know a proper opportunity for Klopp to have a look at them in in competitive action so I think there's something to be gained from it this time round whereas in any other season it might well be a hindrance like you say Agree with Sean Keeper?
3: We're top of the league though and we're flying off to wherever Qatar is It. Yeah Yeah I'm, like, worried sick because Christmas is mad anyway. Like, I remember just getting through Christmas, obviously, last season, we were, like, seven points clear and then whatever happened with City, you know, it is that sort of, if you get through that, it's like the trenches of the season and you just sort of make your way through it and you're like, ah, oh, we're free, and then City beat you and whatever happens after that. I've blacked it out from my memory. <laughs> um but yeah, so it's just not a good time to do it. Like I don't know why it's not in the summer or like the la- like you know, the week after sort of say the Champions League final next year. Or and it- I don't know. I know it's because obviously whoever wins it next year will then be in it like next year as well. And it's just I really want to win it because remember when we were in it last time, and you just you know you you think it's such a good opportunity to. Have that nice gold badge on your kiss, isn't it? Like Real Madrid have for all yep. them years. And obviously, all Bayern Munich had it for a bit, didn't they? And I think, did, did Chelsea win it when they were. United not, won it. Nice, So I think it is, it's a nice thing to win and have, you know, it's another sort of something to win. And these players now have to win in the Champions League. Like you say, I think we will probably try as well in the in the two cup competitions because. You know, look at Man City last year. They showed no letting up in any of them because these play their players were that hungry to win everything. And Guardiola was, and I wouldn't say Klopp isn't because of course he is. He's just sort of, you know, took them games as maybe the chance to sort of let the younger players have a go. And it hasn't come off for him. So you know, going forward this season, I think he might try and do that, but with a little bit more experience in there as well, just to to bring some more more success to to his um is medal hall at, at
2: Liverpool. I think they have to sort of approach it as though it's a warm weather camp, training camp. Like, um, they normally go away, don't they, end of January when they've been knocked out of the cup competitions earlier. Mm-hmm. So it's only a month earlier than that to get a bit of camaraderie there, get the players away to just train and go again ahead of what is going to be a really intense period of the season. Um, but with the competition, the fact they are going to have to play that two games no matter what, you might as well just go out and win it. It's only going to be a week this season that's had that impact. And before, whilst there was a hangover, it didn't come until two months after that. So then you're looking at the progress in the FA Cup and the League Cup to see what that happens there. And then maybe that is when Jürgen Klopp can look at the transfer window and think maybe we need someone in January to lessen the load on some of the players there. But then you'll have like Nathaniel Klein's back from injury. So you you know how Bruce is settled in, how LaRucci settled in. So you have a better feel for the squad there. Let's hope... Um...
1: I think what we need to hope there is that, like, Montserrat or whoever else is in the Club World Cup aren't listening to us because we've just given them the best team talk ever, haven't we? <laughs> send send the kids. On the wall send you. the kids. Treat it like a warm weather training <laughs> camp, lads. We'll be all right. Sean, uh, uh, more more interesting news yesterday as well about the Anfield Road extension and a, a little update on that pretty exciting terms.
2: Was this Sean's story? Or was this mine?
1: This was yours, but
3: I'm of, him I, Sean I was, I was
1: sick of you talking to
2: so
1: <laughs> I went to Sean,
0: yeah. No, very exciting, obviously Great story been, that you wrote, Sean, by oh, the thank way. Thank you very much, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't remember doing that one, but uh, <laughs> no, yeah, it's 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 great to hear, isn't it? It's been a question that's been on everyone's lips since the very successful um redevelopment of the main stands, and yeah, I, I think the key thing to say is obviously, I don't think there'd be one that people finally disagree that. FSG made the absolute correct decision staying at Anfield and and seeking to redevelop and I think the way that the the main standby development was achieved as, as just it, it, it's, been, it's been done it's been handled very well it's, it's great to witness on match days and you know it's, it's obviously increased the capacity and allowed more people to get in so yeah fingers crossed that the same thing happens and it's, it's good that what, what's well your story was how many, how many extra seats are they looking at now with the, with the?
2: Uh, they don't want to name numbers at the moment no. but it would have been 4,000 with the original permit which would have seen them overtake the Etihad to just under 60,000 Yeah, and then you're looking at the rest of the teams in the country or maybe if they want to go a bit bigger than that um, um, I think Tottenham's next after United is like one of the biggest for Premier League teams. That's 66,000. United's yeah. over seventy, So you could leap quite a way up for Premier League grounds. Yeah, absolutely
1: so. What well, I, well, I want to know from the three of you is where is your favourite place to sit in Anfield at the moment? The Kop. <sighs> always the, cop, always the cop. Yeah, it's, yeah. Got,
0: it's got to be the cop, hasn't it? I, had, I once had a season ticket. Your season ticket is in the... Ours is lower, the lower Kenny, as it is now. But I used to have one on the second row of the upper tier. Of the Anfield Road, then right in the middle. Oof. And that was, that was about sort That's of nice. a view. Yeah, it was You're decent. going Anfield Road then, then? Ah, that was probably my favourite season ticket,
2: but like Kiva says, you, you can't beat the cop for a, for a big night. better than standing you It's got to be the to... cop, hasn't it? Unless cop? we want to do the uh, business head and go, oh, it's in the press books, because it means you're doing your job at the game.
3: <laughs> I mean, I do like the main stand. I've been, like, up in, in the heavens where the oxygen comes down, because you're that high up. And then, <laughs> then in, like, you know, <laughs> nice been in the posh seats a couple of times, been fortunate to, to go in there, and it, it is unbelievable. So I do like it. But then the cop, like that's where my first ever match was, and to think like my granddad stood on the cop like in in the fifties and stuff, you know. So it's that nice sort of I think that family feeling, mm-hmm. isn't it? Of just you know being a part of something, and that's where the songs come from, isn't it? So you, you like to be a part of you know what good atmosphere it can be, but just to have a seat in the grounds race isn't
2: it I think once every so while it is nice to um just not be in the cup just see it at its best isn't it you know we you got all mm. the flags all the banners all the fans standing singing the songs just to go wow this really is a special stand in English football
3: we haven't mentioned Kenny Dagleesh, by the way which is it's now name which people are struggling to adapt to just
2: yeah <laughs>
0: it's hard isn't it to, to to change even though it's it's right there isn't yeah, it you know, in, in big letters in big can you can you still
1: remember your first game at Anfield that you just went to watch
2: God, I don't think yes, I can. Yes, mine was a dad. Mine was a friendly against Lazio.
1: Friendly against Lazio, Andrei sure. Voronin. I think. Well, I'm told I was very, very young. It was when
0: Ian Rush had come back to Liverpool, and my dad took me to the cop. But I think we left at half-time because
1: I was kicking and screaming. Everyone's always, yeah. yeah. Everyone's always got a few left at halftime.
0: <laughs> mine
3: was actually a really nice story because I am. Um, I just grew up with like my mum's single mum weren't able to take me the match and then when I was in like sixth form my mate was like got a spare ticket there for to like go to Anfield and I was like what really like amazing um, so I went to watch the semi-final versus Atlet- Atletico Madrid obviously Diego on broke our hearts that night in the Europa League but then the Damn girl the, the girl that I went with um, Becky Bell I met her and her dad well, shout out that right, I met if you're and her, and her, her, on social I met her and her dad Rob outside the Wanda just ahead of the, just oh, bumped okay. into them, and obviously that's Atletico Stadium. And I just thought, what well, like a full sort of circle moment that was really nice. Yeah, I think I mentioned it on the podcast we done with James oh, Thomas, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. it was just like one of that moments, you know, where you just think it's full circle.
1: I hope Becky Bell's like a massive Blues red fan. She's like eating a tea and she just spits it out across the room. She's like, <laughs> get in here, they've mentioned me. <laughs> and obviously looking looking across the park, uh, you know, we do have to mention uh, Everton announced their new. Jimmy well sorry (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Everton announced their new stadium plans and I think even had quite a a positive reception from from Liverpool uh, fans and and, and figures online as well obviously Jamie Carragher seemingly a big fan but Sean, just a, a massive opportunity for, for the City of Liverpool, isn't it? Oh, I totally concur with what Carragher said, which, for those who've missed it, he
0: just said, you know, this is a fantastic, it's great designs, great plans, and, you know, what an opportunity for the North of Liverpool and, and just for the City in general. I don't think any Red could realistically say anything other than that. Um, you know, it's a, it's a big, it's a big and a bold and a brave decision from the Blues to to go and build something new. I think, like we said before, it's, it's work for Liverpool to stay where they are. But I can see why expansion and redevelopment of Goodison wasn't really feasible. <laughs> but of all the, of all the plans, and there's been a few having the King's Dock and various other locations that have been touted for Everton since they've kind of been seeking to to build a new stadium. This one. It, it looks brilliant. The the, the, the Dan Mice uh, designs are, are fantastic. And yeah, I just think what an opportunity for the city. And Dave Prentice wrote a piece uh, a few weeks ago that for me, just absolutely put to bed the whole kind of UNESCO world heritage debate. I think, you know, city like Liverpool and, and somewhere where football means so much, like th- this, this opportunity for, for the Blues and for just the city as a whole, it'd be absolutely madness if if, the, if everyone didn't get behind it and, and try
1: and see it realised. And, and Keeve, you know, I think sometimes you kind of lose sight of it in this age of, of social media and stuff, but do you think there's still kind of, as Sean's saying there, you know, for, you know, for Liverpool fans kind of, you know, being, I don't know if pleased is the right word, but, you know, being quite... Am a cool about these new plans and, and this new stadium, do you think, you know, obviously we all grow up in, in families where it's split between red and blue and, and, you know, we're unfortunate enough to work with some of those darn blues <laughs> in, this, in this office as well. And, and, and do, you, do you think it's still quite, a, a in person anyway, it's still quite friendly and healthy rivalry and whatnot.
3: Yeah, it's great to see. you know, you see, like, first of all, obviously, you see people posting about it, but then you see mo- most of my cousins are blue noses, and it, it's nice for them to sort of have something to, like, look forward to, and, you know, the plans look absolutely out, out of this world, they look amazing. and
2: Stupendous. Stupendous, yeah, quite absolutely. stupendous,
3: simply stupendous, <laughs> and, you know, would, just... Would you like a
1: stadium? <laughs> <laughs> please.
3: <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, I just think it's a great thing, like Sean says, for the city, and, you know for the for the region as a whole. I think, you know, Everton are a massive football club as well. They're in the Premier League and whatever else nice things we can say about them in says here. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, for them to, to move, it, it is a big decision, isn't it? And, you know, they are very bold plans and, you know, like um, Sean says, the architect just... Uh, The architect's done just a a brilliant job. It looks, you know, I even got goosebumps, admittedly, off that video, just thinking, you know, this is an opportunity for Everton now. And you've seen it with Tottenham's new ground. And, you know, then we've seen sort of West Ham where it doesn't quite work in a way, but that was like, a ground they sort of just inherited and were happy to get into. You can lose that old sort of feeling, which you think, you know, but then the plans to redevelop where Goderson Park is now also look amazing. Mm. So, you know, it's a really well thought out thing. And I just can't see how people wouldn't be positive about it. You know, it's not something, you know, Liverpool and Everton will battle on on the pitch. It's not like this is something else. This is something for the city as a whole and for us over on the to look out of a uh, night and see uh, Godes- the new Goddard lit up.
1: <laughs> Wait till that new Tramia Stadium gets built. <laughs> and you and Theo will have a, a real teeth Just to finish then a little, a little bit of fun to, to wash the, the bad taste of being nice about Everton out, <laughs> out of your of your you have some coke before? Yeah, yeah I've, I've nailed that, don't worry about that. Um, Liverpool, three new kits this season. Red, white and that kind of, what, what are we calling that third kit? What was it? Phantom... Phantom takeaways. Phantom something or other. Phantom. Yeah. Ghosty's giving it a tag, Yeah, it? I can't remember. Yeah, he comes up with these
0: things, is not he, Ghosty?
1: What's your favourite Liverpool kit of this season if you had to invest your money? I think Sepp Vandenberg wore that white one pretty nice. Uh, but um, I think the, the Phantom, the Phantom, uh, yeah, my it, favourite. It's the Phantom for me. It's just that little bit different. I think the white yeah. one
0: looks a little bit standard. It, yeah, yeah, they've got a, a good line of third kits, so I'm going for that one.
3: Keep it. I like the white one, the socks I think, and socks, the navy I mean. shorts are really nice. Um I don't like the phantom one of calling it that. Not because it's got like blue in it, because it's got a weird pattern on the front and it just my head can't get to grips it's with like patterns sort of I just that. I'm not a fan, I like clean sort of, you know I'm just about putting up with the, the pinstripes on the home kit. So.
1: <laughs> See, I was already invested in that home top. And field. the away one. And the away one?
2: And the away one. What one's your favourite then? <laughs> I like the away one, the white one. The white one? I'm not sure if I'm going to go for the black, but I've got a birthday coming up if anyone wants to get me a nice present. The white one's <laughs> no, not... The, there we go, everyone. There's the shout <laughs> The white one's
3: my favourite, but me, me nephew, Fletcher, another little shout-out there, he won't be listening. He's, he's, he's only two. Um, he got it, and like we went to like a party the other week, and he was just literally covered. Yeah. White kits on kids just aren't mm. good. Feel sorry for like, permanent you fans. <laughs> a
1: little, bit of, little a bit of clothing of advice from uh, <laughs> Yeah, from no, it is, it's honestly...
3: It's a big thing. Well,
1: everyone, thank you very much for for joining us, and, uh, and I hope you uh, enjoyed it. You know, we've we've covered a range of uh, a real range of topics there, and you know, I've been really interested. Sean, you were particularly on fire there today. What, what, thank what, you what's very been much. in your breakfast there? Um, I didn't have any. Just a Tesco maybe, meal maybe that's the answer. Yeah, Just yeah. That little by, meal uh, meal. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, keep keep tuned. Obviously, next week we will have the big hitters, uh, uh, back in Doyle, back in the country and join us again for uh, your latest. Blood Red Podcast after the Reds take on Napoli. <laughs> I got there in I the, take on Napoli in Scotland. Please don't forget to rate and subscribe us on Acas, and you can also sign up for the Blood Red Podcast group on Facebook and get in touch as always on Twitter. Have a great weekend and thanks for joining.
3: You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.